I want to welcome you tonight on this Christmas Eve to Sagemont Church. Uh, my name is Matt Carter, and I'm the lead pastor here at Sagemont. Thank you for coming. I want to say hi and hello to all those that are joining us online from around the city of Houston and uh, around the state and the country and, and even around the world. We have a, a large group from uh, New York City that watches us every week, and that's a different country, isn't it? So anyway, good to... I'm, I'm joking, New York folks, we love you. But um, we, uh, over the last few weeks at Sagemont, have been going through a four-week series that we're calling Songs of Our Savior, and we're looking at, uh, we've been looking at some of the, the great hit, uh, Christmas hymns that we sing this time of year, and looking at some of the theology and the biblical foundations of it, and, and through the last four weeks, we've talked about four primary things that Jesus is to us and what he came to this planet to do for us. And I'm going to look at one final one tonight. Quick sermon tonight. In week one, taught through the song, Oh, Come Emmanuel. And we looked at the reality that Jesus Christ, when he came to us, came to be for us a longing satisfier. I looked at Ecclesiastes 3.11, which says that God placed eternity in the heart of every man and woman. That every man and woman that's ever lived, God placed inside of you a longing for the eternal. And we spent our whole lives <clears throat> looking at the temporal stuff of the world to try to satisfy these eternal longings, but it will never work because only an eternal God can satisfy an eternal longing. And so Jesus came to be a longing satisfier. In week two, we looked at O Holy Night and we talked about how Jesus isn't just a longing satisfier, but he is a soul valuer. And how on that first Christmas night, God was proving definitively to you and to me that it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter who you are or how insignificant you think you are, God loves you and he values you more than you could ever hope or dream. And then in week three, we looked at another line from O Holy Night. It's a great line. It says, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease talked about the amazing, beautiful reality that Jesus is also a chain breaker. And we talked about how that first Christmas night was the beginning of the end of all oppression. And the, one of the reasons Jesus came to this planet is to set us free from all the physical and spiritual chains that bind us. And last Sunday, <coughs> excuse me, we looked at uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing and focused on what might be the most powerful line that you're going to sing all Christmas and it's this one, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Isn't that good news? Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And we talked about how Jesus came to this planet, not just to be a, a longing satisfier and a soul valuer and a chain breaker, but more importantly than all that, Jesus is a sin forgiver. And he came to this planet, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, paid the penalty for our sins so that all our sin, past, present, and future, will be completely wiped clean and we can be reconciled back into a relationship with God. But tonight I want to quickly talk about one final aspect of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And um, I think it's important for us to remember, especially on this Christmas Eve, 2021 of this year, we've actually sung about this aspect or characteristic of Jesus multiple times in the song, songs that we've sung over Christmas. And I just didn't stop to talk about it in my sermons. I'm just going to read to you a couple of lines through some of the Christmas songs. <clears throat> Let's see if you can pick up the theme 
that I'm going to talk about quickly today. First is from Silent Night. Silent Night, Holy Night. Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Talks about the same thing in O Holy Night. Says a thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And then that song we just sang, Here Comes Heaven. That's a good song, isn't it? It's Here Comes Heaven. And I think maybe it says it best. Over all who mourn breaks the dawn of salvation and darkness reigns no more for Jesus is greater. There's one theme that went through all of those. Did you catch it? All those lines I just said speak about one aspect of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he came to do. And it's this, listen, that yes, he is a longing satisfier and yes, he is a soul valuer and yes, he's a chain breaker and yes, he's a sin forgiver. But what all those lines speak of that I just read is this, is that Jesus is also a light shiner. And maybe a more powerful way to say it is that Jesus is a darkness destroyer. And that, my friends, on this Christmas Eve, for us in this year, is really, really good news. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> Monday morning, I, I came to, to work to begin uh, focusing on this, um, this sermon that I was going to teach tonight. And before I started praying and getting my mind and heart right to prepare the sermon, I turned on the computer and I went to this website. It's called Drudge Report. It just brings all the news kind of in one place and you can and can look at it. And it was, uh, it, it was not a good idea for me to get my mind right to prepare a sermon because unfortunately, I think it did a really good job of painting a picture of where we're at as a country in the state of the world we live in. I want to show you a graphic of what I opened and saw there. Um, nice Christmas spirit there with a, with a, a skull and that says ominous. <clears throat> that was, you know, making reference to the virus that's peaking again. And then it says, stocks spooked. They were having a bad day on the, on the market there. And, and um, you know, I was thinking about it in that first Christmas. It talks about how the shepherds stayed awake, keeping watch over their flocks by night. But a lot of us, um, we've been staying awake, keeping watch over our stocks by night. I'm sorry, that was a bad preacher joke. But anyway, it's been a bad year. And then throughout the Drudge Reports thing here, here were some of the articles that were actually in there on that day. Crippling rise of inflation, man, ain't that the truth? Looming fear of civil war in the United States. Sounds pretty bad. The increase of depression and anxiety in teenagers, it's true. It's been well documented. A rise of violence and polarization in cities across our country. <clears throat> I could keep going, but if you force me to pick a word, if you force me to pick one word to describe the condition of our culture, to describe the condition of the world that we live in right now, force me to pick one word, I might just choose the word dark, dark. Throughout history, darkness has been a term used to describe evil in difficult times. There was a 900 year period in European history that was not defined by scientific discovery or art or literary advancement, but it was defined by war and poverty and we call those 900 years the dark ages. I remember my great-grandmother. She was born in 1902. She saw a lot in her lifetime. And when she was in her 90s, before she passed away, I sat down and asked her what it was like to live through World War II. And I'll never forget this. She said, sweetheart, those were dark times. Um, when a person is experiencing 
soul-wrenching doubt about God or dealing with things like depression, it can be said that they're walking through a dark night of the soul. You know, as it turns out, this idea, concept of darkness is very biblical over and over again. The scripture uses darkness as a symbol to describe evil and sin and death. In Ephesians 6, 12, darkness is used to describe the power of Satan. Listen to this. If we do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Darkness is used to describe wickedness and sin in Proverbs 4.19. It says, the way of the wicked is like a deep darkness. And darkness is also used to describe the condition of the human soul that has fallen into deep despair and hopelessness. This is King David. He's in the worst moment of his entire life. And he says this in Psalms 143.3. He says, for the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness. Like those long dead. And so if you force me to pick one word to describe these times that we live in that are marked by depression and despair and division and death, I would use the word that the Bible uses. And that's the word darkness. You know, and what I've found in my life, I'm 48 this year, and what I've found in my life is there's one primary emotion that we tend to feel in dark times. There's one primary emotion that we tend to fall into and be tempted to fall into when things are dark, when things are difficult, and that is fear. Because it's in the darkness we feel the most vulnerable. In the darkness that we, we can't see what's out there to get us and fear grows deep in the darkness. And I wanna share with you a story tonight and that'll pretty much be done, but I wanna share you a story tonight about, I, uh, I remember vividly as a child finding myself one early, early morning, finding myself in darkness and fear being the result of it. So for those of you that uh, have been around Sagemont for a while, you know that I'm a deer hunter. And um, if you've ever been deer hunting, what you do is you get up really, really early in the morning. And before the sun comes up, you wanna get to your stand, right? So the deer won't know you're there. And so I was um, 11 years old and I'd been hunting for a couple of years with my dad. My dad always went with me. But for some crazy reason, at 11 years old, I thought I was old enough to hunt by myself. And so I convinced my dad at 11 years old to let me hunt by myself. Well, I'm 11, and we're like, all right, son, you can do this. And so we wake up really early in the morning. We get in the truck. He drives me to the deer stand, puts me in the deer stand, closes the door, and with a flashlight, it's pitch black outside. With a flashlight, he walks to the truck and then he drives off and I can remember seeing the headlights disappear in the darkness. Well, it turns out that those couple of hours were the longest two hours of my young, tender 11-year-old life because as he drove away, it suddenly hit me, okay, um, that I'm 11 <laughs> and I'm sitting here in the middle of nowhere. It's pitch black, it's dark, and I am all by myself. And keep in mind, for you younger folks out there, this was before cell phones, okay? <clears throat> we didn't have any walkie-talkies even. This was before cell phones. So I can't call my dad. I can't text him. And I, I, I can't reach him in any shape, form, or fashion. I have no idea where it is. It's dead quiet. It's dead dark. And it was about 30 seconds into that thing, and it hit me. I came to the stark realization I'd made the biggest mistake of my entire life. As fear started growing inside me, I came to a realization 
that would soon end, in, soon end in disappointment, I came to the realization, I've got a flashlight. And so I reached down in the darkness, I found my backpack, I stuck my hand around in there for a while, and I realized pretty quickly I could not find the flashlight. I'm moving around, and I realized I didn't bring it. I didn't have a flashlight. And so I'm just sitting there in the complete darkness, and the fear continues to grow. Now, there was a few stars out. And so I could see a few feet in front of me, there was just enough light being cast where the, you know, the wind was kind of casting shadows, maybe 10, 15 feet in front of me at the most. And as I sat there, pretty much scared to death, all of a sudden I heard a noise. And again, it's dead quiet. And so when I heard a noise, it got my attention. Kind of went away for a second, but then there was a noise again. It was a noise of uh, rocks crackling and it sounded close. And so I looked up and I strained my eyes and I saw something walking towards my deer stand and at that point my heart started beating out of my chest because about 15 yards maybe away something is moving towards me and at first I thought maybe it was a deer and I got kind of excited like oh sweet there's a deer coming but as I look closer I saw something that you will see why in just a second but it brought a terror to my heart that I have only experienced a couple of times in my entire 48 year life at first I saw its feet but uh, they weren't hooves, they weren't, they weren't deer hooves, they were paws. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm a, I'm a young southern Texas boy, I knew, or maybe it's a bobcat, and so I strained my eyes and I looked at its tail and it didn't have a bobcat tail. The tail was longer. And within a couple of seconds, to my absolute horror, I realized that it wasn't a deer, but it was a mountain lion. And it was walking towards my stand. <clears throat> it's the only time in my life I've ever seen a mountain lion and, um, and so let's, let's do the math here, right? I'm 11 years old. It's pitch black outside. I'm all alone in the middle of nowhere. And there's a mountain lion walking towards my deer stand. And my first reaction was to want to just start screaming bloody murder for my father. And maybe the, the off chance that he would hear me. <clears throat> but then as before I screamed, something hit me. I've got a gun, Right? I've got a gun. And so I reached over and I grabbed the 243 that my grandfather had given me that October for my birthday. I'm like, this guy's going down. This is going to be a cool story. And I pulled the lever back to put a, a, a bullet into the gun. And to my absolute horror, I realized I had forgot to put bullets in my gun. <laughs> Sitting in the pitch black, no flashlight, no bullet, no dad. And there's something higher on the food chain than me that's walking towards me. So I did the one thing. I did the one thing that a good 11-year-old Southern Baptist boy knew to do in that moment. I got right with Jesus. <laughs> I got right with Jesus. I, I started confessing every sin that I'd ever committed in my life. In that moment, I rededicated my life to Christ. I surrendered to the foreign mission field to Africa. I was like, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I started making all kinds of promises to God. I'm like, God, if you will get me out of this, I will never hit my sister ever again as long as I live. Well, God answered my prayers and, uh, and, the, and the mountain lion walked off. But for the next 30 minutes or so, as I sat there in the dark, I want you to know something. I was scared out of my little mind because fear grows deep in the darkness. But then something marvelous happened. Something amazing and beautiful and wonderful happened. To my relief, I looked over to the east and the sky began to grow pink. 
And miraculously, marvelously, the first ray of sunlight shot through the oak trees and the dawn had finally come, the light had shone into the darkness. And as I look back on it, I remember thinking that about 90% of my fear went away. And the reason only 90% of my fear went away was it was light, it was no longer dark, but there was still something out there that if it wanted to bad enough could probably eat me. But then there was this one thing that occurred that took all of my fear away. And that's when I heard the rumble of a truck. And my dad's red pickup truck finally mercifully came driving up and then out of the pickup truck came my father, six foot four, captain in the Dallas fire department carrying a pistol on his hip, John Carter. And all my fear finally left me. I learned a few things that morning. Uh, I've learned a few lessons that have stuck with me. Number one, first thing I learned is don't ever go deer hunting without bullets. That's the first thing I learned. Never made that mistake again. But here's what else I learned and I want you to hear this. I learned that there are two things, there are two things that have the power to overcome our fear when we walk in darkness. There are two things I learned that has the power to overcome my fear and bring me peace and calm as I walk through the darkness. And it was these two things. Number one, it is light. And number two, it was the presence of my father. Those two things, light and the presence of my father, dispelled fear in the midst of the darkness. And some of you can relate today, make no mistake. We are living through dark times and I have to believe that a lot of us as we walk through this, the temptation is for fear to grow inside of us. As we look at the world and we see evil and sin looking like it's ruling the day. But I saw a quote this morning I thought was really cool. It's pretty straightforward. I typed in light and darkness in Google and looked it up and quotes about it. And there's this quote from Dorothy Thompson, one of America's very first female journalist. And she said this, she said, fear grows in the darkness. So if you think there's a boogeyman around, turn on the light. Pretty simple. Fear grows in the darkness. She's right. And so if you think there's a boogeyman around, turn on the light, make no mistake. There's a lot of boogeymen around in our world, but the good news is that 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, and when he did, he turned on the light. In Isaiah 9-2, just read you a couple scriptures, and we'll land the plane. Isaiah 9-2, Isaiah was talking about this light that would come to us in the darkness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them a light has shone. And Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, described Jesus coming into the world. And this is such a beautiful couple of verses in Luke 1, 78. It said, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Isn't that beautiful? The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And Jesus himself, I want you to listen to what he said about who he was and what he came to this earth to do. In John 8, 12, he said again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And after Jesus died, And he rose again three days later and he ascended into heaven. His disciple, John, wrote in his gospel, John 1, 4. He's describing Jesus and it's awesome. He said, in him, talking about Jesus, in him was life. 
And that life was the light of men. And this verse five says it all. It says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Here's what I want you to hear tonight and I don't want you to ever forget it. That while it's true that we live in a world that is full of darkness and evil and sin and death, Jesus has come to us and he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And the good news, guys, is that light always overcomes darkness. Every single time, it looks like darkness is winning. It looks like darkness is reigning. It looks like darkness is overcoming until there is one point of light. And in the battle between darkness and light, light wins every single time. And when he came to us, he brought us his light, but he didn't stop there. Jesus didn't just bring light into the darkness, which is what we need to overcome fear, but he kept going. He didn't just bring us light, but he brought us himself. He brought us his presence. He came to us himself. He was born as a baby, and that is why his name is Emmanuel. It means God with us. I love that. God with us. His name isn't God over us. His name isn't God above us. His name isn't God thinks about us or God has well wishes for us. His name is God with us. And on that first Christmas night, he brought us the two things that guarantee that even though we walk in darkness, we can walk through them without fear. He brought us his light and he brought us his presence. And that's why the Lord himself in Joshua 1.9 said, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I want to give you, I want to end tonight before I pray and light the candle and begin our, the end of our candlelight service here. I want to give you what might be the best news of all. You see, um, in Jesus' first coming, his first advent, he brought to us light and he brought us his presence, right? But the best news of all is there a day, there's a day that's coming where Jesus Christ is coming again. The first time he came, he brought his light, he brought his presence, but there is a day that is coming where he will return. And when he returns, I want you to watch what the scripture says is gonna happen in Revelation 22, four. When he returns, it says, they will see his face. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And love this, look at verse five. And night will be no more, amen? And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light. Watch this. And they will reign forever and ever. There is a day that is coming where he is going to return to us. And when he does, he will destroy darkness once and for all time. And we will be with him in his presence forever. And Christmas night was the down payment of that promise. And God one day will make that promise come true.